Hey, one quick thing before we get started. I just want to remind you that this podcast is for information, education, and entertainment. It is not a substitute for therapy or therapeutic intervention. If you find yourself in crisis, please visit your local emergency room or contact a crisis hotline. On this episode of the LOL Pod, my guest Kelly L. Ferguson and I discuss encouragement, the shame and guilt that sometimes comes with infertility issues, and her new book, In the Meantime. I hope you enjoy it. Let's jump in. Hey everyone, it's LaShonda from Labors of Love, and you're listening to the Labors of Love podcast. Today, I'm very excited to talk with my friend and the author of In the Meantime, Kelly L. Ferguson. Kelly, how are you today? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I am doing well. It has been too long since we've been able to connect, and I'm very excited about our opportunity to do so today. So I'm going to start like I start with all of my guests and ask, what is your labor of love? You know, mm, so for me, I think my labor of love um, really is encouragement. Um, I've been through a lot of things in my life, just like many, many other people. And I found that no matter what role I'm currently um, involved in, when I look at look back at my, my, my most profound or my most meaningful um, things that I believe I accomplished, I believe it's come through encouragement. Um, I just think back like when I used to be a Sunday school teacher or when, um, or even in my current job um, working in the construction industry, industry is always about helping others to encourage them to be the best that they can be. And so I really feel like God put me on this earth to encourage others, no matter um, what situation they're in. And in particular, to encourage women and couples that have been trying to conceive and have been unsuccessful currently in that effort. So it's just, um, I really feel like that's something on my heart. That's something that God has, is dealing with me on. And I know that um, through our testimonies and through our stories, others can be healed and others can be helped. And I love that. I love that so much. So, um, you know, I don't know if people know this, but I usually don't know what people are going to say their labor of love is. So I'm always just as, you know, on the edge of my seat as everyone else. Um, but what I can say is when you send encouragement, I was like, oh, yeah, for sure. And what it reminded me of. So just a little historical background for Kelly and I is we went to undergrad together um, at the University of Michigan. And I now realize that I was in such a dissociative state throughout my entire college experience that this memory I have that is like ridiculous, the things I like remember in details, there are so many parts of my entire college experience that I just don't remember. Um, and, but the things I do remember, um, one of them is you and I, Kelly, studying at the Ugly. So that was the undergraduate library, second floor, um, until the whatever hours of the night. Now, mind you, Kelly was an engineer major. I was a general studies major. It's not that we were like working on the same thing or necessarily supporting each other with our work, but she was, it was just encouraging to have her with me, you know, to, to do that. And, you know, I'm a talker, 
which is why podcasting works for me. So I don't know what percentage of that time we were together was actually work and what percentage was actually talking, but it was always so very encouraging to be around Kelly. And so when you said your labor of love is encouraging, I'm like, yes, like I can see 1000% how that fits. So you shared that like you've been through a lot of things, like a lot of people, and you look back into this common thread of encouragement. Um, let me, well, let's start with this. Can you recall times or certain people in your life who've been tremendously encouraging to you? Oh, yes. Um, oh, man. <laughs> There's been, I, I've, I've been very blessed um, to always be able to, even when I myself didn't know it, but just know that there have been people in the background who've been praying for me, who have been um, lifting me up and who've been just giving me what they can to help me feel that I'm not alone. And God has blessed me so much to let me know that I'm not alone. Um, I, I just said, I, I grew up with a great family. Um, I have a great family to this day. And um I just think about encouragement. Well, so encouragement comes in so many different shapes and forms. It doesn't necessarily have to be words. Um, obviously, you can be encouraged. You encourage somebody through your actions, um, which is which is great, especially for those people that um, need to see something. They don't want to. Some people like um, words of affirmation, but others actually need to see to see the demonstration of that. And I think I am. I don't know what I like to be honest. I don't know what affects me more. But um, just knowing that there's somebody behind me supporting me, even when I don't necessarily physically see that support, it just, it makes all the difference. Um, obviously, the number one supporter is God. And I, I, I always find encouragement um, in his word. I find encouragement in just like the small whispers that I get, um, the convictions I get <laughs> to know to do this, to not do that. Um, it encourages me to, to help me know that when I truly in the middle of the night, when there's no one to talk to, when the phone was impolite to make a phone call, when um, I'm stuck in a meeting and I don't know what to do, or I'm getting some news that I don't know how to process on my own, that I am never alone. I'm never by myself because God is always with me. He's given me that, um, that Holy, he's given me the Holy Spirit to always know that I'm, he's always with me. So even outside of human interaction, I know that I always have the Holy Spirit with me in each and every everything that I do to encourage me. Um, outside of that, outside of my family, um, probably one of my biggest supporters, especially over these past 20 years, is my husband. And Hugh is great. He's the absolute best. Um, Hugh's a talker, so <laughs> he does a lot of his encouragement through his words, but um, he just... Oh, He's just so great at encouraging me, even in the small stuff that I don't even know, or that, that it wouldn't even dawn on me that this is what I needed right now. And I think um, a lot of time, we sometimes take those little things for granted when um, people do these, do little things for us or, or try to push us or give us little bits of advice. And sometimes, you know, it might not seem like much at the time, but when you look back on it, and I'm a big person, I'm a, I'm a big advocate of looking back on things. When you look back on it, you realize that was just the push you need. That was just the motivation um, or the words you needed to hear in order to keep moving forward. And so I'm just, I honestly have been 
so blessed by so much encouragement around me that I want to go out and, and help and encourage others to show that same sort of encouragement, whether it's through words, whether it's through actions, um, whether it's just through simple prayers, even prayers that they might not even know, just, just going out and encouraging those to help them to become the best people that they can be. That's so profound, because I think something that you hit on uh, or something that stood out to me is that a thing that you received in abundance is now what you can give. And I think sometimes that's something we forget. And I'll, I'll look, I, I want to say this, like, let's take, um, let's be objective or as objective as possible and take a step back, right? What's coming out of a person makes sense when you understand what went in them. I say that all the time. And so I find it very profound that you find yourself called and compelled to be an encourager but you are overwhelmed with the amount of encouragement that you've received throughout your life. That has yeah. filled your well so much that yeah. it's overflowing that you can give it to other people. And I think it's worthwhile for us to consider people who <laughs> give the opposite of encouragement, right? Sometimes mm -hmm. we wanna judge what's coming out of them, but if their well is overfilling with condemnation or judgment or anger, because that's what's been put in them, then it naturally makes sense that that's what's coming out of them. And I think if yeah. we can view it that way, it can kind of help us be more compassionate, that we can be curious instead of judgmental, that we can be compassionate and understanding that. And then we can look at ourselves and say, what's coming out of me? Yeah. And that there's a lot of that in me. So I love that. Um, I'm really excited for us to talk specifically about uh, your current form of encouragement through your book in the meantime. So I will start by asking you to just tell us a little bit about so, the book, but really um, excited to talk about things like motherhood, family, and, and what all that means. So in the meantime, recently published books, so, so proud of you, so excited for you. Tell us what the book is about. Sure, no problem. Um, so in the meantime is a 28 day devotional and um, it's focusing on, it tells my personal story on my journey to motherhood. So I've been trying to conceive and expand my family for seven years. And it just goes to, it kind of gives you a little bit of my personal insight or my personal history, I should say, about the challenges that I've experienced um, medically um, in regards to fertility. And then also about how spiritually I, I, I was challenged and how I was able to grow from that experience and the whole reason and purpose of writing this devotional is to I really want to get people out especially women that are, are going through similar struggles is to let them know number one that they're not alone but to also let them know that um, there's so many different stories in the bible that we can look for encouragement to know that God is not a God who wants us to be barren whether that comes in the form of um, barren in a physical sense or barren in our um, other relationships or our professional careers. He wants us to be fruitful in all things. And um, it's just to encourage them to let them know that if he wants us, if he desires this for us to be fruitful, then he's gonna give us the capacity and the ability to be fruitful. So um, it's, a, it's a great devotional, um, and not to my horn, but I think it's a, a really powerful devotional for anyone who wants to just increase their faith, but also to, retain and um, build upon their hope, to not give up hope. Because especially um, with fertility, 
it can be so easy to be discouraged. And um, you hear, especially depending on your age, depending on the medical circumstances, um, doctor's appointments, all those things that you might go through, it's, it's so easy to get down and to be consumed by the grief, the sadness, the anger, the pain of not being what, um, quote unquote, what society is saying defines what a woman should be, what a mother should be. And when your path is not the typical path, um, you feel like something's wrong with you. But it's just to help you realize the, the whole the purpose of the book is to help you realize that nothing's wrong with you, that um, God created you. He he knew the circumstances that you were going to be facing, and he's made you strong enough to be able to not only um, overcome those circumstances, but to also be able to help others who are going through the same circumstances as well. Yes. So love it. <laughs> One. I think um, that the very challenging and sometimes traumatic experience um, that infertility and fertility issues can bring can be so isolating and lonely that it is so common for people, women, couples, families to think like, not like you said, what's wrong with me, but it's so not talked about because it is this feeling of shame mm -hmm. that usually comes with it. And so it can be so lonely. And so to your point, I found that one of the biggest resilience factors that go into people being able to move through certain situations and be resilient and build upon their resilience is knowing that they are a part of, um, they're a part of something and that there are external supports so that they're not alone. And once people kind of uh, build the courage to mention something, how many people go like, you too? Oh my mm -hmm. God, me too, oh my goodness. I thought it was just me. And so then there is this like, this, this belonging, this sense of belonging that people have um, knowing that they're not alone in the circumstances. And y'all, none of us are alone in our circumstances. I don't care what it is. I, I literally don't care what it is. That thing that you're like, I am the only person. You're not. <laughs> you are mm -hmm. not. And so I love that. And I think perhaps for me, one of the, um, I don't know what word I'm looking for. Not it, One of the things that strikes me the most is Kelly, you're not writing this book after you've expanded your family. You're yeah. not taking a look back kind of, and, and, and not to say that someone who would have done that, and I, I don't want it to be, be perceived the wrong way, they may not be condescending, but you're not looking back to pat people on the heads and say, now, now that I'm not in that situation, here's what I went through. I love that you have created this devotional and that you're encouraging women in the midst of it. And yeah. I think that is one of the most compelling and amazing parts of what you have done. You're not saying, you're saying you're not alone because I am here with you. And that is amazing. So um, what, why'd you write the book, <laughs> right? You know, what, what was that thing that's like, uh, this is the way I'm going to go forth from here? So um, it started off with, Towards the end of, um, I'm going to remember it's 2021 now. So towards the end of 2019, or I participated, I should say, in a writing workshop and um, called Tell It All. And the premise behind it was to help you get your story out and start just just talking about it. And I really honestly um, didn't think that that was a story I was going to tell. I didn't go into it believing, you know, 
hey, let me start writing about um, my fertility challenges. I honestly didn't know what I was going to write about, but it was such a cool workshop and um, it just, it got my, got my juices flowing in the sense of just going back and forth and saying, okay, what are the questions? What are the things that people who are going through similar experience to me, what do they want to hear? What do they want to know? And so from that point on, I was also encouraged at the beginning of 2020 to just pick a book in the Bible, wherever Holy Spirit, Spirit led and just decide uh, or just read it. And I couldn't figure out where to go, where to start. And I was like, you know what? Let me just start at Genesis. Let me just start doing Bible study. Just get through the book of Genesis. And as I started going through Genesis, I started realizing that, hey, I can, there's so many different nuggets that I can pull and that I can learn from and that I can share with others to, that are going through similar struggles to me and to help encourage them. And it honestly was just writing a couple different um, pages of devotionals. And, it, and I wasn't even thinking of this was going to be a book. And I shared it with my sister and my good friend. And um, they were like, oh, yeah, Kelly, this is good. And I was like, you know what? Let me just keep going. Let me see how many I can write. Let me see if this will keep going. And um, when it got to about day 10 or day 11 of, of just writing, I realized, you know what? This is what I want to produce. This is what I want to, how I want to share my story. And um, from that point on, it just, I gave myself a, de a deadline. I was like, you know what? You're going to do this. Come high, <laughs> or come high water or whatever and get it done. And um, it just, it was, it was born from that. I honestly was shocked myself when I finished it. Um, I'd always wanted to write a book but in, my, in the back of my mind, I wanted to write a fiction book. So it was complete, <laughs> complete and total um, interesting to me to write to, that this uh, ended up coming out to be um, kind of like autobiograph autobiographical. Autobiographical. Yeah, I was like, wait, how do you say that? <laughs> I need it, but how do you say it? Yeah. But it was, um, that's, that's pretty much how it came about um, because I realized if I can correct it to, to say that. What I realized is that I personally, um, I love reading devotionals. And I know sometimes you don't want to sit down and, and read a whole book at one time, but if you can just get a nugget of a book for one day and, and then be able to um, kind of get guided to meditate on certain scriptures, I feel like it's a great way to open up your own thinking and to open up um, your heart to be able to receive it um, in a better, easier manner. Yeah, I I love that. Um, it started off as something for you, and how I find that a lot of gifts work is we start off using them for ourselves. <laughs> like I have this gift of speaking, and you know, it's something that I use for myself. And then you realize gifts are meant to be given. And so I like that something that started off for you is now something that you are sharing with others. I can say, um, I know I will be purchasing a lot of them. I've already sent a couple to different people who are like expressing something. I'm like, oh, I got a book for you. <laughs> so, you know, how that's helpful. But I can also relate in the sense that, you know, I, I keep talking about in 2021 is the year. Why? Because I've made the deadline. So like you say, I come hella high water. This book is done in 2021 and I, I'm committed to, and I've just been cranking out the stories, not focusing on, I'm writing a book. I've yes. committed to just getting the stories out. And very similar to what you were saying is the way I, I really envision this book is that 
I'm telling my story, but I do believe that people are not going to say, oh, I had that exact same experience, but what they're going to go is, that is so interesting. It's make, I, I wonder how, I wonder, I just want people to wonder, right? Yes. We don't have to have the, I am all about questions, not answers. And I think we, as a culture, spend so much time trying to find the answer that we don't realize that so much growth and resilience and brilliance comes from asking questions. And so I just want people to read my story and then go, mm, I wonder, I, I read a story about Shonda's body image and how that developed for her. I wonder what messages I received as a kid, as a teenager, as a young adult. You know, I'm reading this story about this challenge that she had or this thing she overcame. I wonder what was something like that in my life so that people can begin to look at, again, what all has gone into me? We spend so much time trying to augment and change the output when we have not done inventory on what's in there. <laughs> and that's why we get frustrated. It's why every single year we have New Year's resolutions that do not come to pass and we keep doing the same things because we're focusing on what's com coming out instead of focusing on what's actually going in and what's been put in. So that's super exciting. The, the, you phrase this a certain way and I would love to talk for a minute about our perception as a culture of family. So you said, you and your husband, Hugh, who is awesome, I concur, um, <laughs> have been um, making attempts to expand your family for seven years. But there are so many people who don't consider couples a family. And I do find that disturbing, right? So when a couple gets married, and it's everyone generally, everyone, you know, they're pushing you to the next thing. So you become partners, like, oh, when you get married. You get married. Oh, when you have a kid, you know, everything is. So when are you doing this next thing? And there are a lot of people who truly believe that, you know, you're not a family until there are children involved. And mm -hmm. I don't believe that <laughs> you are yep. a family, you know, when you are coupled together. So just talk a little bit about maybe your experience with that and how you maybe have always or have come to view this idea of family. You know, so it, that's, it's kind of funny. I'll be honest. So one of the things that we always talk about is every year, um, like many of the people, we get Christmas cards. And so we get Christmas cards from our friends and they'll have, you know, the nice photos of their families on it with, you know, parents and kids and all that good stuff. And he always asked me, you know, hey, Kelly, how come we don't do Christmas cards? How do we, how come we don't send that out? And my response is always, well, I feel like we don't need to do it because it's just us you know, and I didn't even realize until you just said it, even though I think of us as a family, I feel like, am I, am I really saying by not sending out cars that we're not enough of a family to, to, for that to be valid? And I think that's where you're right. We need to stop this, this, this thinking or minimizing the fact that Hugh and I are family unit. Kids are no kids. We're still our family unit. Um, and even when, if we are blessed with kids, the kids are gonna get, grow up and they're gonna leave the nest and then what's left, our family unit. So it's, it's a mindset shift. It's also a mind shift, mindset shift for a lot of people, especially um, I think in the black community, I can think for specifically for my family to know that children are not just children that are your biological children. Um, I know I've mentioned adoption a lot of times or, I've, or we've hinted at it. Um, 
through like for some of my family members and they're like why would you do that you know there are all these kids in your family that you can help out and it's not that I don't want to help out the kids in my family but I think we don't talk I don't think we don't give enough talking and um, encouragement enough to others to to pursue other forms of expanding their family adoption fostering mentoring there are so many kids out there there's so many people in general out there that are looking for that love that need that love and God has given us so much love inside of us to be able to share with others so what does it matter what shape 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 or form it comes in as long as we can express that to other people as we can help other people as we can bless other people the way we've been blessed so to me family is right now my family is first and foremost you as well as my extended family but family for me always is going to be just whoever we choose to share our love with um and i'm just excited for whatever that that next chapter in our life brings like i said whether it's a biological child whether it's through adoption um through fostering um through just mentorship whatever it may be i'm excited because i know that with the love that god's given us for family for children that is going to come about some way, shape, or form, and it's going to be in the perfect way that he's always meant it to be. I love that. And I, I like how you even kind of have this in the moment, like, huh, the Christmas card yeah. thing, right? Like mm -hmm. how may, sometimes it's like, oh, let's think about that. It's not the four, four most, foremost conscious thing in your mind, we're not enough of a family, but just kind of like that, huh, that curiosity that I'm talking about. Yeah. I wonder, I wonder if this is an extension of that belief or that worldview. And to your point, I have called a lot of people mom throughout my life and only one person biologically bore me, right? Mm -hmm. Birthed me, birth, birth is what I think of it. <laughs> um, but there have been so many people who have had impact in my life in a very maternal way. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I think that's worth us having this conversation about, can we expand the definition of what we have been culturalized and socialized to believe is family in this very nuclear way? And, and when we do that, can we expand our capacity to give the love and guidance and nurturance and all these things that we have, you know, beyond what's under our roof or what's connected by DNA um, and things like that. And I, I think that that's so worthwhile. And, you know, as a woman who has, you know, conceived and bore children, birthed children, you know, I would never want to minimize any experience that a person has, but I can recall before having my son, who's the oldest, I, I would have this, like, I can't tell you why, it never made sense to me, but I always had this feeling that I was going to be told I couldn't have kids. It didn't feel realistic. No one had ever hinted at that. There were no medical problems, but I always had this feeling somewhere that I was gonna be ha happening and it was so devastating to me just thinking that that might be said. Now, I'm saying that to say, at the time, it didn't have anything to do with children. I believe it had everything to do with this perception that I had that I was only worthy enough or woman enough if I conceived. And I think it's worth us having the conversation about where are we getting these messages? And I'm not gonna lie, the church is a big 
huge proponent of pushing this message. Before the kids though, it's the man. You gotta have a man. If I hear one more person prophesy that somebody's husband is coming, I'm gonna scream, right? So I, in my writing of my book and I'm looking at what are what did I learn growing up? It's your partner, your body is for their pleasure and kids need to come from that. And so what I am starting to realize is there are a lot of things that I thought and believed about myself based on this very culturalized message that this is what a woman is and this is how she exists in the world and this is how you know how her value is estimated what part of um how much of that has come into your journey with your own experience in writing the book so all this brings me back to um what you mentioned at the very beginning uh, about the memory of us being in the ugly and studying and how even though we had different majors, we were still able to just be encourage each other because we're both there together. And um, that's sim very similar to this book. So even when you're writing your story, um, writing this story, even though everybody doesn't have the exact same set of circumstances and situations that I do um, or that you do or that, you, or that you've gone through, just being able to, like you said, being able to know and being able to um, hear and see and internalize that people are going through something similar to you, it brings that sense of um, unity, community, and allows you to realize that not only are you not alone, but that if somebody else has gone through this or is going through this and is encouraged through this, that you yourself can be encouraged through this too. And I think that a lot of time that's why we have to get out there and tell our stories, because like you said, people don't talk enough about it. Um, whether it's um, the, the images, the preconceived notions that we get from reading fairy tales, hearing things on in the media, um, family, family, uh, family stories. It's all those things that we're internalizing, especially as we're younger, that gets into our psyche and it makes us think that, okay, this is the only way it has to be in order for us to be perceived successful or, um, or quote unquote normal or going the right path. And a lot of times I think we need to let loose because God didn't make us all to be exactly the same. I mean, there's a reason why we have DNA <laughs> because we're all uniquely divinely created to be individual people that may have similar experiences but have totally different outcomes. And we can learn from those shared experiences to bring about better outcomes for it. So yeah, I think it's, uh, I think it's good to be able to share your story um, because there's so many different pieces that I can pull from your story, you can pull from my story, even if we don't have the same story, but just like in the ugly, we can grow together. Absolutely. And I think, you know, something that's also very helpful is sometimes it's not to make people feel better. I keep saying that it's not about making someone feel better necessarily, it's helping people to be seen. It's helping them to be heard. It's helping them to be understood. That it's not saying that um, a journey through trauma resolution, if you've experienced childhood sexual abuse or any kind of abuse or neglect or having uh, fertility challenges, is not painful. And the point of you know this this community. And it's not, oh, it's not painful or to make the pain go away, but know that you have people sitting with you in 
the pain. And that sometimes mm -hmm. the hope is just that when you have an update and you're feeling optimistic and you're like, we can do this and I'm not, I can draw on that from you. But when you go like, oh my goodness, I don't even know. Like, I just want to give up. I'm like, no, 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 no. Hey, hey, I, I'll, I'll mm -hmm. hold the hope for us today, right? So it's like yep. this community where we can pass the hope and that we always know that someone is managing to hold it, that we're not responsible for holding all the hope, all the optimism, you know, all of this, you know, spiritual outlook of this has purpose. Sometimes we get to be in the slump, but we know we're surrounded by people who are going to bear some of that weight with us. And, and, and to me, yeah. that that is super important. Between that and really examining our perspectives of where we are. So what messages am I internalizing that make me look at my life right now as if it's a failure or not a success or not the way it's supposed to be? And I believe that if we can, you know, ask ourselves three questions. One, who taught me that or where did I learn it? The next one is what else could be true? And then the other is who's benefiting from my belief in this? Because there is a lot of money being made and a lot of supremacy being maintained by some of the beliefs we're holding that we're just not good enough as we are. And so I think that is tremendously hopeful in that regard. Um, so Kelly, the book, this devotional, um, you mentioned a little bit before, but if in your dream world, your book gets into the hands of who? Who is your um, audience that you're saying, if you fall under this category, this book is for you. Ooh, okay, so I would say its target audience is women. And the reason I, I stress women as opposed to women and men is um, especially women in the um, childbearing years, I would say, um, is because it goes, is based off of a 28 day cycle. So the standard woman's um, menstrual cycle is 28 days. So that's why it's a 28 day devotional. And so it kind of talks a little bit more about um, the female, rep female reproductive system than some other books may do. <laughs> so that's why um, I will say it's more so geared towards women, but really it's, um, it's really geared for anybody who needs to just build themselves up. Because I think a lot of times, um, like I said before, especially with dealing with um, fertility challenges, you're kind of down. You're kind of feeling like you're lacking. And you can. it's easy to lose hope. It's easy to lose faith. Um, it's easy to lose your joy. And the what I want people to draw from this or the person I want to help is the person that needs to recover those things. The person that needs that extra push to know that, hey, in 28 days from now, I'm still might not be pregnant, but you know what? I know how to handle it better. I know how to, I know that I'm strong enough to handle this. I know that, hey, 28 days before this, I was, just, I was extra discouraged because the test was negative. But even though in 28 days, it might, still might not be positive, I know that, you know what, I made it 28 days, I can make another 28. 
I can make another 56 <laughs> or whatever <laughs> or whatever it may be and um and that when you look back on it and you'll say you know what hey I got through this God got me through this my faith got me through this and your faith little by little is being built up because you're not only hearing my story but you're hearing stories that happened over 2000 years ago and so I think that's where um that's the person that I'm trying to reach is the person that knows that, you know what, this is not something new. This is not something that's going to be solved overnight, but this is something that you know that, that you'll know that you can come out of this better than you were when you started. I love it. Um, before we finish up, I, I think it would benefit some listeners to maybe just have a quick discussion. I don't, I, I'm hesitant to call it do's and don'ts, but I do think that, you know, um, sometimes people don't know the implications of things that they do or don't do, right? So one example um, that I think is worthwhile for people, whether you have children or not, right? When you see a partnered couple, don't ask them when they're having kids, right? right? Now, now it's challenging, <laughs> right? Because I do believe for some people, it is from a quote unquote good place it's a curiosity, but it is very um, rooted in this custom, in this belief, this cultural belief that that's a normal family. So it's not just those who are experiencing these challenges of fertility, but it's all of us that have to examine what's gone in. So let's make a habit of not just asking people, so when y'all gonna have kids? Because there mm -hmm. could be so much underneath that question that sure you didn't intentionally mean to do it but but how about you know that that's a that's a thing that is more private than has been treated as private in the past so any other pieces of advice that you have for people when they're engaging with couples or women or period just things that would be helpful for people to think about i think um not bringing people's past up as well. Um, a lot of times people, and it might be, it might be well-meaning, it might not be well-meaning, but um, along the same line, same lines of asking people, you know, well, when you guys having kids, people will say, well, you know, you shouldn't have been doing X, Y, or Z, um, or, and, uh, or whatever it may be, because I think people try to always want, and we're, we're human, we always want to give a cause. We want to find a reason why something's happening. And most of us aren't doctors. <laughs> and even still, there are some, there are some cases of unexplained um, fertility. And yet people feel the need to always wanna voice their opinions about something. And that doesn't necessarily help a situation. It can sometimes be detrimental. Um, I do say share your experiences. Um, I'm, I always wanna encourage people to be open and honest and sharing what they've gone through, but know that even if something worked for you, it doesn't mean it's gonna work for somebody else. So don't try to pressure people to say, you know, well, if you do it this way, if you do it on a Sunday, you know, or whatever <laughs> it may be, don't think that one thing that works, that, that there's a one shot fix for every situation. And then can, you also give give, an can you give an oh, example of the bringing up the past? I know a couple of that I had in my mind, but can you give an example of what you mean for the listener? So when you said like, you shouldn't have done this or can you, what do you mean? So um, an example I can think of is like, if someone delicately, like if someone was promiscuous in their past um, and um, they might've had 
they might have, um, whether it was choice or not, um, their choice or not, they might have ended up having um, an abortion. Gotcha. And now all of a sudden, um, they're they're trying to conceive and it's not happening for them. But yet, people keep bringing up what they've done in their past, even if they had or had not had an abortion. Um, people just bring up those things in their past to make them feel guilty. And I think a lot of the times we're we're feeling guilty enough already because it hasn't happened the way we thought it was going to happen. And you're just you're adding additional stress on the people that they don't need. Yes, thank you for that example. Um, Because, you know, I had some of those thoughts too, right? So whether it's the example you gave or people who say things like, see, y'all shouldn't have been having all that sex before y'all got married or whatever these things are, people have to realize that all of that is coming from a biased judgment of these messages that they've internalized. And then they're projecting that onto people. Um, sometimes they did the very same thing and they just didn't have the yeah. same outcome. Or sometimes it's the people who I, who've done it the quote unquote right way and still end up having these challenges and there's resentment and there's frustration and anger. And so I, I just think there's a multitude of examples. I also think that what we really have to be aware of is how often we, we general we will in our minds conceptualize a couple or woman's uh, infertility, her fertility challenges as a punishment. So our brain is reaching for a narrative to try to make sense of what she must have done something, right? Or Mm -hmm. not done something right, or she must have done something wrong, and that this is a punishment um, that is happening, and that's why, and that's not the case. And when we are engaged, when we have that thought process, please believe, no matter how good we think we're filtering our mouths, it's going to come out. So, so much of when we say we really need to stop doing this, it's before you, before you worry about what's coming out your mouth, check what's in your heart, because that is what's going to actually yep. be coming out of your mouth when you're talking to people. Any yep. other so things true. that you want to leave for the listeners? Um, oh. Well, just to piggyback off that, um, I was trying to find this quote, but the biggest thing I want, if nothing else, take away from this and, and, and thinking about what you just said is guilt and shame can can bring you down like nobody else's business. And I think a lot of the time, um, like you said, we end up putting on guilt that we have no reason to even feel guilty for. Um, and I can't remember the difference between guilt and shame, but I'm going to say like the guilt will cause us to have this shame. And now we're stuck in this situation where even if there's a path to move forward, we're, we're blocking it because our shame, the shame is blocking us from being able to move forward. And a lot of the times our identity can be found or, or we're making our identity solely found in the ability to conceive. When it's not, that's not what defines you as a woman. Um, I know it was, it was a hard thing for me to swallow because I even had times where um, I would look at Hugh and I would really say it out loud to him, but in my mind, I would kept thinking like, man, am I good enough to be in this relationship? Are you sad that, um, are, are you disturbed that you know that we're in this predicament? Like, and even if it's not always your fault, the woman always tends to put everything on her anyway. So now we're thinking that, okay, if, if I had only been better, if, you know, if my body had only functioned properly, then, then we would have this happy family unit that we wanted. So I think the biggest thing to take away is to um, 
to kind of release the shame to really it's a hard thing to do but to to give it up to to let go of of holding on to that guilt that shame and that like you said that false conception that you did something wrong that you're being punished that you're the cause of these issues when really like you said there's we don't have control over that there's nothing i mean unless you came and did something specific for the vast majority of the time it's nothing that we can control it's just it's something that um we're going through we're we're, we're journeying journeying through and um if you just look back on the title of in the meantime it's while you're waiting it's while you're passing through it's 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 not a um a static thing it's a movement you're you're constantly trying to move forward whether like i said the end result is the actual conception or it might be the birth of a new different a different journey that you didn't even know you're going to have so just release or be prepared to release that shame and be excited to move forward i love it friend i love it so much i Again, so proud of you, so um, so encouraged by you, so happy that I know you. You know, I know that in the meantime, <laughs> when we start to realize how valuable we are, how precious we are, and how worthy we are, how much we contribute to all the relationships we're in, that the, the, the it doesn't, again, may mean that it's not painful or it's not challenging but it's not all encompassing because we say, while I have not provided this, my body hasn't produced this, I produce so much that I, that I contribute to this world and my relationships and the people around yes. me. And so that's amazing, amazing, amazing. And I too hope that everyone is able to take something away. Um, whatever, whoever feels that they're struggling to produce, whatever that is, that they feel encouraged, they'll know where to get the book to help them through that. And others can be like, oh, I didn't realize how sometimes I'm contributing to people's guilt and shame and things and that we all have this work to do. So that is super exciting. Kelly, if someone heard something you said and they were like, oh my God, I need to know her. I need to get in touch with her. Or how do I get this book? Because I want to order 10 copies. How can people uh, find you? How can they get the book? Uh, sure, no problem. Um, you can find me on my website, www.kelly, that's with the I, so kellylferguson.com. Um, you can also purchase the book on the website, or you can purchase the book through amazon.com as well. Yeah, and people don't know this. I know Amazon is super convenient, but Amazon be taking author's money, okay? So if you got a choice <laughs> and an option, go to kellylferguson.com, buy the book from her, so she ain't got to pay Amazon a little portion of that money. And, 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 and for real, if you didn't know that, if you come across an author, you want to support their work, you want to get their book, more than likely they're selling that book somewhere other than Amazon. So um, just want to let y'all know that. Um, and Kelly, um, before uh, I let you go, I always like to ask my guests for a fun, interesting, or little known fact about themselves. So what can you share with us? Uh, let's see. A fun fact about me is now I'm not good because I haven't practiced, but I play the guitar, piano, and clarinet. Ooh. So, yeah. Yes. Look at that. I, I didn't know that. Listen, I, I want to play the, the guitar and the piano, not much clarinet, but 
that is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly, sincerely, thank you for taking the time out to, to share such wisdom and such a gift of yourself with my listeners. I love you. And I'm so glad that you were able to be my guest today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Deshonda. Yes. So I want to give a special shout out to Trey Angel, who provides all the music for the Labors of Love podcast, to my producer, Jay Sugg of Instant Classic Media, and of course, to you, my listener. I never take for granted that you spend time listening to the podcast. If you have suggestions for guests or content, head over to the website, www.thelaborsoflove.com. Don't forget we're on all the major social media outlets. Check out our brand new Instagram page specifically for the podcast, the underscore LOL underscore pod. And don't forget to give us a five-star rating, write us a review, share the podcast with your friends, share it on social media. Until we connect again, you all be well.